Hey, Sarasota, it's Bob. So it's been a wonderful grind over the past 18 months. We've had some fabulous guests. We've produced over 150 episodes. and We've had over 10,000 listens from you wonderful folks in the greater Sarasota area. It's been a lot of fun, but also it's been a lot of work. And so we've decided to take a little bit of a break until this fall. When you check out other podcasts, you're going to see that most put out a new episode only once a week. We put out two, so of course that means there's twice the work. A lot of show notes, scheduling, guests, editing, etc., etc., etc. So we've decided to take a little break for the rest of the summer and we will resume this fall. And we'll let you know. But before I sign off, can you do me a little favor? Reach out to us via Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Drop us a little note. I'd like to know more about what you want to hear when we resume in the next couple of weeks. That'd be a big help because without you, dear listener, we would not exist. As always, thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful summer, and we'll be back soon where you can listen, learn, and connect. Good morning, Sarasota. This is the Sarasota Stories Podcast. It's possible this organization may touch just about every area of our community. It's incredible to think that a local organization with roots back to the Civil War is even now making its biggest impact. I am your host, Bob Williams, and I'm very pleased to welcome Deborah Jacobs, President and CEO of the Patterson Foundation. In this episode, you'll learn one thing most people don't know about Deborah, the 150 plus year history of the Patterson Foundation, why the Patterson Foundation funded the Patriot Plaza, the five C's that drive virtually all of their funding decisions, and much, much more. Thank you for listening in today, as it is my hope you will listen, learn, and connect. Deborah Jacobs, President and CEO of the Patterson Foundation, welcome to the Sarasota Stories podcast. Thrilled to be here. Well, it is my pleasure to have you on the show, as we were talking before I hit record for the second time, (laughs) is... uh, I have run into the Patterson Foundation name in so many different circles that I run in around Sarasota, and you obviously have a great reach here, and so it was, I was really excited to have you on this show. We're going to get into what exactly the Patterson Foundation does, what you do, but before we do, can you tell us what is one thing that most people don't know about Deborah Jacobs? Well, I tend to be pretty transparent, so I had to go back and think, what might people not know? And back in 1979, when I lived in Rochester, New York, I had the privilege and the honor of welcoming then Secretary of the Treasury, Stella Hackle, to Rochester for the unveiling of the Susan B. Anthony dollar coin. And for those who may or may not have seen it, it's a it's a coin that's a little bit smaller than the 50 cent piece coin. But it was 1979 that I had that honor. Well, I remember the Susan B. Anthony introduction very well because I'm a bit of a coin weenie myself, as they they call us in the industry. So I was kind of a gold and silver guy for years. And so I remember when that was introduced. Well, good for you. That's your your piece of history then. (laughs) Well, that's great. Well, that's an interesting uh, little tidbit trivia about about yourself. Well, let's talk a little bit uh, about the Patterson Foundation Again, it has an incredible reach here in Sarasota. 
when I looked at all the different initiatives and organizations it works with and what it's funded, but tell us about the foundation, how it got started, and then where the initial funding came from. Okay, great. Actually, um, where did the money first come from? We trace our origins back to the mid-1800s when Joseph Medill bought the Chicago Tribune for two reasons. One, to make money, and two, to get Abraham Lincoln elected president. And he was successful with both of those. (laughs) So um, as we go through the generations, his grandsons, Colonel McCormick and Captain Patterson, came back from World War One to run the Tribune Company. And there was a slight problem. Colonel McCormick was a capitalist philosopher, and Captain Patterson had a tilt towards socialism. So you can imagine the uh, challenge in the newsroom and in the editorial room. So they had a a family voting trust. Colonel McCormick stayed in Chicago. Captain Patterson went over to New York City, where he created the New York Daily News. And for anyone who's ever seen the New York Daily News, it still is around. It's a tabloid kind of newspaper full of photojournalism and comics for, quote, every man in the subway. So they would have access to the news. This family, uh, um, this legacy family, quite were innovative. They had the very first radio licenses in each market. They had the very first television licenses in each market. In fact, I'm going to give you one more piece of trivia, Bob, for next time you play Trivia Pursuit. Okay. What do the call letters WGN stand for? Any idea on that? I that's a great question because I've seen it many, many times. WGN. Go ahead. What is okay, it? Okay, Channel Nine out of Chicago, world's yeah. greatest newspaper. Okay, <laughs> so so anyway, this family was about journalism, communications, innovation, uh, forward thinking. In the mid-1980s, the then leadership of the Tribune Company invested in an emerging tech stock, and they invested $6 million that grew to be worth $2 billion with a B, and that little stock was called America Online. So if we think about the wealth (laughs) from the Tribune Company, it was about technology, innovation, entrepreneurship. Well... Captain Patterson, who's over here in New York City, living up in Westchester, New York, lived in a grand mansion, had servants, dressed for dinner every night. Across town in Ossining, New York, lived the Clark family. In the Clark family, Daddy Clark was a prison guard at Sing Sing, Ossining, New York, Sing Sing. So you can imagine the different socioeconomic oh <laughs> levels between the two families. Indeed. Well, in America, Dorothy Clark and Jim Patterson, the only son of Captain Patterson and his second wife, Mary, fell in love. And while the families were like, ooh, that's, I'm not sure about, it did not matter, love conquers all, they got married. Jim went to West Point, served in World War II, and came back to become an editor of the New York Daily News. In the mid-1970s, Dorothy and Jim retired to Longboat Key. They lived a very low-key existence out there. Jim passed away in 1992. 
Five years later, Dorothy started the Patterson Foundation back in 1997. She started it with 150,000. No, wrong, 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 correct, correct. Um, she started the Patterson Foundation with $3 million. Oh, wow. And in the world of private foundations, we must spend, share, distribute 5% a year. So okay. think about that. That's $150,000 a year. And she did what we might call kitchen table philanthropy. So when inquiries would come in, she decided, did I like it? Did I not like it? And she might write a check or not might write a check. But for 10 years, kitchen table philanthropy. Then she passed away in 2007, very generous bequest to her 10 nieces and nephews. They had no children. And $200 million went into the Patterson Foundation. Wow. Now, what's unusual about this is usually when people set up a private foundation, they'll have a geographic focus or yeah. they'll have an issue focus or an organizational focus. And in this case, we have an unfettered charter to do good and do it well. What does we that mean? Could... When, you, when you say unfettered, what does that mean? It means there was no direction. She didn't say where she or how, no direction. Right, right. So it was like a blank charter. So we had to figure out what to do. And we could have funded dyslexia in Nairobi. Okay, because right, that right. Might, we might do it well, but we didn't. We we took a little bit different angle. In fact, honestly, Bob, when the it was funded, um, I didn't know Dorothy. I was asked to come on to, on board over here. We spent the first year buying a pencil, doing a chart of accounts, having an investment policy, and working on our values. But during that time, I interviewed anybody I could find who knew Mrs. Patterson just to get an insight in what I discerned and the board discerned was she knew she married into wealth, but she didn't consider it hers. So she didn't want to be directive after she passed away. What so she was trusting, woman, my goodness. She was trusting who was the trustees to do, a, do good and do it well. That's incredible. What, now, you're the only present CEO that the foundation has ever had. You came in at 2009, and I think you came over from Selby Gardens, correct? Because you were CEO no, over there? No, I came, I came over from Selby Foundation. Sel Selby Foundation. Okay, yeah, yes. I came over from Selby Foundation, where that's another grand foundation. They have been around since 1955. My goodness. Well, yes. I'm, I'm going to have to have the foundation on. I've had, uh, I've had, uh, just lifts my mind right now, uh, the new CEO over there at uh, Selby. Um, well, the new CEO over there is Susie Bowie, and yes. she comes to the Selby Foundation from Manatee Community Foundation. Uh, so she's so, got a lot of good track record there. And I will say, you know, just coming from a business background, the foundation industry is something that I, I'm really not, I just really haven't been exposed to. And you've already touched upon a little bit upon how you had kind of like a, a blank slate to do what you wanted to, a completely unfettered to um, take the funds that you have been given. So you all actually do not raise funds. You just had this initial, this initial amount of money that uh, Dorothy wanted you all to spend, to put it into to good issues and whatnot. And so you all have really built this up from really nothing since then. 
Yeah, we had to figure we had to figure out, and that's why getting best pra- promising practices, um, getting those values, we had to be values driven. We live in a region that is philanthropically vibrant. Yes, we have is. many foundations of all kinds of sizes. There's there's hundreds of foundations in Sarasota County. We've got some very large foundations. In fact, we are the only county in the state of Florida that has two community foundations. And a community foundation is different from a private foundation in that a community foundation works with donors to achieve their donor intent, whereas private foundations are fully endowed. Interesting. Interesting. So, uh, yes, back in episode 88, I had Veronica Thames on from the Gulf Coast Community Foundation, okay. and she mm-hmm. did clarify that with me. So so with, with the funds that you have, since nothing will be added to it, are you ex- you're expected to spend a minimum of 5% a year? No extra money can come in. So can this go on in perpetuity based upon how the reserves are invested? And so it's just... Yeah, there's been all kinds of research that's been done that if you deploy 5% a year you sh- and have good investment um, performance, you should be able to outpace um, inflation over Interesting. time Interesting. so that in the year 4,000, the value of the foundation would be at the similar level of value impact is when it was created. Now, not all foundations are in perpetuity. You could have a private foundation that's a spend down foundation that actually the money goes in and there's in the document, it says it must be spent by X year or 10 years after my death. So that's, that's one of the things, Bob, for your listeners, anyone who is thinking about their legacy, there are so many different vehicles that people can create a legacy, a giving legacy that reflects who they are and what their values are. So it's, it's, that's what's kind of cool about America. We've got a whole bunch of different choices for people. Well, we have certainly are just a wealthy country and have been so for many decades. But I, I will say this Dorothy Patterson just must must have been just a, quite a gal. It's a shame you can't meet, go back and meet somebody like yeah. that and to see yeah. what kind of gal she was. Well, let's get into a little bit more about how you operate. It seems like mostly everything that you do when you choose an initiative, get involved with an initiative, it really revolves around what you call the five C's, which are caring connection, collaboration, contributing, and creating. Talk about those, if you would, please. Well, and actually, at the Patterson Foundation, it should not be a surprise, words are important to us, you know, remembering where our money came from. We always want to honor that. So the, the way we work, our mission, we determined, is to strengthen individuals, organizations, and communities in ways that foster wide participation. And that's a critical element because many foundations will work, will fund individual organizations, yeah. whether it's for operations or for a program or for a, a building. In the world of the Patterson Foundation, we want to foster wide participation in whatever we do. And we do that first by demonstrating how much we care, showing up, listening, by um, connecting, building relationships. We that we always say that change happens at the speed of trust. 
And it takes time to build trust. And we can't just say, because I met you yesterday, we know what each other is caring about and thinking about. So that connecting, building connective tissue is so important. The reason our third C, collaborating, we totally believe that nothing happens in isolation Indeed. and we must work with others. We, are, we, we have another five C's. We work with people, business, nonprofits, government, and media. Because if you just work in one of those lanes, yeah. again, you're missing out on the other dynamics that the other elements bring into a healthy, vibrant society. So we've got to collaborate with others. And then guess what? We actually have to contribute, put our resources. And in sure. our in our thinking, our resources are dollars, but they're also the value beyond the check. In the way that we connect in community and we get proximate to people who aren't sitting in the boardroom or are not on committees. Yeah. And then, of course, finally creating what Dorothy Patterson gave us a blank charter. So we are creating new realities, not alone, but with others. How do you actually choose a particular initiative to get behind? Well, actually, it's all... Uh, we. What does that another, process look like, I yeah, guess? No, yeah. Well, our processes actually goes back to 2010 when we announced how the Patterson Foundation was going to work. And, and Bob, I want to take you back to 2010. Remember in, in that time period when we were figuring out our values and buying pencils? Yeah. Everybody knew what the Patterson Foundation was going to be. We were going to be a, uh, we were going to be a Catholic foundation because Dorothy was Catholic. We were going to be a journalism foundation because that's where the money came from. So we we knew in this region where we live, because Dorothy and Jim lived here since the 70s, we knew we were going to focus on this right. four-county area. And when I say four counties, it's Charlotte, DeSoto, Manatee, and Sarasota, which, by the way, could not be four more different counties. So that also kidding, is... Yes makes us really get proximate with people. But anyway, so we announced in 2010 that we were going to do nine legacy initiatives. And um, what were those? Well, that we called them legacy initiatives because we got the ideas from them from where the money came from and the family. We wanted to honor that because, again... If Dorothy hadn't set up the Patterson Foundation, we wouldn't exist. So we need to honor. We always have to honor donors. Anyway, why did we choose nine legacy initiatives? Because there used to be nine planets in the solar system. And each one of those initiatives was in its own orbit, its own size, its own atmosphere. But we were going to learn from all of them. Interesting. So out of that... The nine, most of them, we are done. We've built them. We've sustained them. And then things evolved. So I'll give you an example of an evolution. So we did aging with dignity and independence. Dorothy did not want to go to a nursing home. She wanted to always be independent. Okay. I saw that on your website. I thought yeah. that was interesting. Go ahead. Yeah. So we worked with, at that time, we did aging with dignity and independence. And that was in partnership with an organization then 
it was a 20 year old organization called Scope, where it was about participatory research. And remember, we're about wide participation. But out of that particular start, out of that evolved the Institute for the Ages, Age Friendly Sarasota, um, Uplift Florida, the Village Movement. So we evolve because, okay, that's good, but now what else should we do? And we, we're, we're tolerant of the rhythm that any initiative has because we've got to make sure that there's a community wants the initiative and is willing to participate in it. Well, well, and what impressed me about what you all are doing is just really how, I guess on the forefront that you are, because you were sharing with me before I hit record about digital access for all, which really came out of COVID. And so mm-hmm. it's an older demographic that you have here, but like you and I, we're having this conversation right now. We're looking at each other you know, over the internet. And so you all are on the forefront of helping people kind of upgrade their skills, because if you're not in the digital world, you're going to be left behind. I want to come back to that, how that came about real quickly, but I want to come back because you, you talked about the nine initiative uh, legacies. And so I want to talk about that. But the one that is my favorite is Patriot Plaza, which you guys fully funded. And if for our listeners don't know, the Patriot Plaza, if you drive straight out Clark Road, uh, you will see a national cemetery on the right-hand side, a, a gorgeous uh, facility out there that honors our fallen, but is, be, is even more than that. And I've been out there several times, and I just think it's phenomenal Tell me about how that came about and uh, just just kind of the environment sure. that you were dealing with at the time. Okay, so um, nine legacy initiatives. It shouldn't surprise anyone because of Colonel McCormick and Captain Patterson serving yeah. in the military and then Jim being at West Point in World War II. So we decided one of the nine would be military. Well, gosh, we could have done something at West Point that could have been meaningful. We could have worked in veterans organizations, but remember, we're not going to do this forever. This was our learning journey. So there's only 400,000 veterans serving organizations in the country. And then oftentimes serendipity plays a hand. So the same time that TPF, that's our nickname, the Patterson Foundation, the same time TPF was being funded from Dorothy's estate, Sarasota National Cemetery had its groundbreaking. And the groundbreaking was in July, in summer, in Sarasota. (laughs) And uh, it should not surprise anyone, it was a little toasty out there. And for the groundbreaking, they only thought a few hundred people would come. You know, it's turning the shovel over. They had over a thousand people who came and there was no sheet, yeah. no yeah. shade and limited yeah. seats. Yeah. So we went to the the National Cemetery and that's said, that's a legacy in and of itself, isn't that's, it? That's yeah. So you what is what do you what's your plan for shade and seats? Well, yeah. we're going to have a flagpole. And we said, well, how do you feel about something with shade and seats? So There's a couple of cool things in here. Remember I talked about serendipity and threads and evolving? Okay, who could be considered the father of the VA and the National Cemetery Administration? 
Yeah. You have a wild guess on that one? Mm, father of the V, I don't know, General Pershing, I don't know. <laughs> go with Abraham Lincoln, because oh, okay. in his second inaugural address, he said, we shall care for those who have borne the battle, including their widows and orphans. Wow. So remember the tie back to yes. Joseph Medill, Abraham yes. Lincoln? Yes. So yes. Abraham Lincoln was whispering in our ears going, get out to that cemetery and build some shade and seat. So we approached the National Cemetery Administration and said, hey, how do you feel about this? Now, I want you to picture they're pretty um, they've got rules and guidelines and what they do. And then this agile little cute foundation shows up. We're not cute. We're just agile. okay? (laughs) and say, hey, we want to work with you. And they're like, "Mm, I don't know about that. But we did. We figured out how to work together because their commitment to excellence and the Patterson Foundation's commitment to excellence, to excellence is it's par excellent. I want to share just one example to tease your listeners to go see Patriot Plaza. Yes. It has often been called an outdoor museum. So it's there to honor veterans, inspire Patriot and embrace freedom. Why is it called an outdoor museum? Because remember, we're honoring where things came from. The art and photojournalism that Captain Patterson had in the New York Daily News, we called through. Now, we had we had national committees. We had experts on things. But we had to call through over 6,000 photographs from the Civil War up through Afghanistan. And they're out there. A lot of those are out down, there. Yes. To come down to 61 photos that are now out there embedded in white marble permanently with stories and quotes and wor- words are important. So I think what we say is when someone visits Patriot Plaza, if you don't get a goosebump or a tear, you rushed. Because if you really allow it, the experience to come to you, it is tranquil. It is um, it, it, it makes you think it makes you care. I could and I couldn't agree more. Uh, I shared with you again before we hit record. I go out. I have been out there several times on the off days where we're not celebrating something. And I stand there in front of those marble marquees with those photographs and the beautifully written memorials about integrity and honor and sacrifice. And I typically go out there when I've had a rough day or a rough week and you just go out there and you contemplate where you are in life and things that are impacting you. It it, it puts it in a different context. I couldn't agree more that if our listeners have not been out there, please take a moment and go out. Certainly go out, you know, again, on some of the uh, other holidays that we have uh, to go out there and honor our veterans and honor our fallen. But it's it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, thing that you all have done. And you guys fully funded that. We fully, we designed it, we funded it, we donated it, and we endowed its permanent maintenance. 
So in the year 4,000, it will look as good as it does now without being a burden to the taxpayers. That's incredible. That's very nice. It's it's very well kept. And I do want to add two more things is both of us are kind of uh, enjoying Patriot Plaza here. Dawn to dusk, people can go. It's anytime. It's free. You don't have to pay an admission. So that's, again, fostering wide participation. But on Tuesdays, they do have a group of guides who will give tours. Or if people want their own tour, they can schedule it. And the Patterson Foundation supports the guides now, just so that we can always be able to let the stories be shared. I may, I may have to turn this into a video podcast and go out there with a mobile unit and do that. That's great. I didn't know yeah. that. Well, thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, well, no. Well, let, let, let's come back to the digital act access for all. Uh, because mm-hmm. again, I was sharing with you that I did my taxes completely online. I submitted all my papers. Uh, I signed it all online. And so you all have got behind this initiative, digital access for all, which came out of COVID. Tell me how that came about. Okay, well, all right, we we all experienced the lovely 2020 when COVID hit, where you know, libraries shut down, everything shut down, we're, we're in our homes. Imagine if you had no technology, all right, and um, you might have used to go to the library to do your homework, or you, you just were not in engaged with digital. So we thought, oh my gosh, people cannot be part of society if they don't have access that's affordable, they don't have the machines, or if they don't have the digital literacy, the understanding of how to use your tools. So we look at it as a three-legged stool. And again, doesn't matter. Some people think it's only for children. It's not. It's for all ages because definitely um, moms want to know the latest hints on what to do, uh, you know, with a crying baby to kids in school, to uh, people doing their taxes, to people wanting to have Facebook or with so they can talk to their grandkids. So what's interesting uh, about it is. It's, if it's not front and center, sometimes people think it's taken care of. What today it's not taken care of. Even today, there are people who do not have access. In fact, what the Patterson Foundation is now working on census track by census track. Where's the gap of people who do not have access and how can we help them enroll in a program that can give them a discount on the access? Incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, I, again, I just think I just think how um, on the forefront you guys are on what's happening here in the immediate area, and, and to get in kind of like this digital world because you think of you putting together these buildings like the Patriot Plaza and whatnot. But I just wanted to share with the listeners: I, we already talked about the nine initial um, initiatives, but you actually—I'm looking right here on your website—you have. You have current initiatives. You have, I think, 24, 25 of them right here. A Walk to Respect nonprofit internship program. You have Net Hope. You have Suncoast Disaster Recovery Fund. You have Communities for All Ages, Giving Challenge. I mean, my goodness, you ha- you are so involved with so many different things. But, you know, I'm curious, you know, what are you most proud of in the time that you've been with the Patterson Foundation? Well, first of all, remember, we love all the cousins. So every initiative we love. Okay, we there's not yeah. a favorite. I think what I'll talk about, I'm going to talk about um, two. One that is the, the, the um, biggie 
is yeah, the campaign please. for grade level reading. And I, I, I want to share this because the listeners, things to know. We learn to read from birth to third grade. In fourth grade, you read to learn. So if you can't read by the end of third grade in the vernacular, you are on the pipeline to prison because you can never catch up and you're not part of society because reading's important. So there's a national network. We love to work with national networks for the campaign for grade level reading that how do you help from birth to kindergarten, kids to get ready, families to thrive during that time period. Research shows that there's a, get ready for this number, 30 million word gap between middle-income families and asset-limited families of children. 30 million word gap, okay? So so getting the kids ready for kindergarten, then once you're in kindergarten, uh, school, you actually have to show up. If you lose more than 15% of your days in school, you're going to slide. You're not going to move forward. And then the other part is out of school time. Here's a statistic for us. Kids in school, it's only 14% of their year. 14%. So we can't count on the schools for doing everything. Now, they are sleeping. They do get to sleep. But there's a (laughs) lot of hours when kids are out of school. And especially, again, from asset-limited families, they may not have access to resources that children from wealthier families have access to. So it's that out-of-school time. So let me give you an example of, well, so what do you do, Deborah? So there's something called Suncoast Remake Learning Days, and it's a 10-day festival that actually is coming up now in April, and we have over 200 free experiences for families in that 10 days in the four-county area so parents are aware of what resources are available in our community so that they can experience learning with their children. So do you see how our values of fostering wide participation play out with the campaign for grade-level reading? It's getting as close as we can to the families. I'm going to give you one more cool program in that. Is in the summer, well, COVID came. All right. We used to do, well, we still do, um, a summer reading challenge. And the Harvard research says that if you read at least six books on your grade level, you won't slide over the summer backwards. So we created this reading challenge where if you read your six books, you get a plastic bracelet. And then after this many, you get a purple bracelet. Or So it's a way while you're in summer camp to, to spark your joy of reading. COVID came. Summer camps. Are they going to be here? Are they not going to be here? So remember, we can't, we are, we are, we pivot. We are agile. So we said, okay, we don't know about summer camps, but we're going to create this book is cool. And what this book is cool is, uh, thanks to Beth Duda, we created 100 webisodes where there were 20 books for each grade level, 20 pre-K, 20 K, one, two, three. Yep, yep. 
at those 20 books, we had a, a celebrity like you, Bob, would be a celebrity with a book. Beth would interview you. Then she would give you the five words from the book for your word bank. And with every book, we had an activity you could do at home, right, with stuff around that's in your cupboard. So you didn't that's have incredible. to spend any money. And so those 100 webisodes were called This Book is Cool. So this summer, we just opened up registration for families to join. Last year, we had over 3,300 children. We worked with directly, gave each child 20 books and a coach to check in with mom and dad to see how we're doing over the summer. Okay. My goodness, that's incredible. So that's just one little portion in that. So I think the campaign for grade level reading is about how can we help all humans achieve their potential? And it's through reading. Yeah, if you can't read, you're just going to be so far behind. Yeah. Phil Table over at Children First, he shared some of the similar statistics with him. It was about reading, but it was certain developmental aspects that have to happen the first few years of life. Or you're just, and it's, it's terrible, quite frankly, because now you're so far behind, it's really difficult to get caught up. So that's an incredible initiative. Well, and I want to share with your listeners, because people go, hey, we live in Sarasota, we don't have a problem. Right. Do you know that in Sarasota County, one in three third graders cannot read on grade level? It would not surprise me at all. Okay. It would not surprise me. And my, I've talked enough I, with the other nonprofits that are, that are dealing, like Sale of Freedom or... Some mm-hmm. of the others that are dealing with uh, kind of the, the soft underbelly, I think, of Sarasota. So, well, and I always say, you know, and people will go one in three. Well, that's not bad. And I go, wait a second, how many babies will the hospital tolerate dropping on their head? And the answer would be none. Okay, yes, so why are we okay that thirty percent of the kids can't read? I don't think so. Okay, go ahead. No, no, I, I just. It, it's incredible. I, I had no idea, of course, until I started doing the research. I'm sure one of the frustrations you may have is making sure that you get this message out mm-hmm. to people so that they know that the resources are here. Uh, sometimes when you see some of the, the homeless, um, I think that at least the message that I get is like a lot of them don't know that the resources are there for them to turn to or they know and they prefer not to. But I, mean, I didn't realize that you all had done all this work with with families. And it's just, again, it's just an ongoing legacy of the Patterson Foundation and, and just what they've created, you know, that dates back over 150 years ago. I think that's pretty incredible. That's incredible. Well, what are you excited about right now? You seem to me like you're excited about everything right now. Yeah. See, I, I, I work with incredible people yeah. and each person brings their gifts to make a difference. I want to talk about, I got two things, I think, because the Patterson Foundation has seen, believes, watches that every human being can be a philanthropist. People think, some people think only rich people. That's not true. Everybody can be a philanthropist. So we partner, remember, we partner with others. So we are partnering with the Community Foundation of Sarasota County, who every 18 months or two years has something called the Giving Challenge. All right. And the giving challenge is where in this 24 hour period, and I got to do a lot of strategy and partnering before then. But during that 24 hour people, people give online to the one of the 700 local nonprofits of their choice. Okay, the Patterson Foundation matches dollar for dollar up to one hundred dollars for every donation 
that is unique to an organization. So you can't double dip in the same organization. Right. Okay. To get the match, you can double dip all you want to when you want to donate. <laughs> but in the unique part is no cap. So each of those 700 organizations has free reign to raise money, and we will match every unique donation. And to give you a scope on that one, last year, the Community Foundation, for the first time ever, had a donor who said, I want to contribute $100 to each and every organization. So the Patterson Foundation matched that one donor with $69,600. But see, $100 gets matched. So if all you had was $100 and you had a favorite organization, we would match that. So I think this letting everybody participate is part of who we are. We want to foster wide participation. And you come back to really being more a part of the community, even if you're not a rich person, you could you do what you can. Now you said that was you wanted to say two things. That was the first thing. What was the other? Oh, the other one is looking out into the future. We have something called Please. advancing philanthropic leadership. And what it is is because TPF has a unique way of working, we thought, hmm, what can we do to kind of spread what we're doing beyond here or beyond Sarasota, the four county area? So we have a unique partnership with Indiana University's Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, the only school of philanthropy in the country. And our relationship with them is that when their master's students complete their getting their master's, they have the opportunity to apply to become a TPF fellow. So you, if you graduated, you would come and work for us for a year and immerse in what we do and how we do it. And then we help launch you out into the philanthropic sector to do whatever your personal mission is. Wow, that's incredible. So, so Indiana is the University of Indiana, you say? No, it's Indiana University. Indiana, Indiana University. IU. So they IU. actually have a career path for philanthropy. Yeah, they they've the got a school background. of philanthropy. Yep. Who knew? That's incredible. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, Deborah, it's been a pleasure having you on the Sarasota Stories podcast. Anything you want to leave us with and how people can keep up to date on what y'all are doing? Well, we, we do have newsletters. So if anyone is interested in keeping touch on uh, with us, please uh, go to the website, thepattersonfoundation.org. Sign up for any one of our newsletters. We'd love to keep you informed. You can always find us on social media. We're big communicators. No surprise because our money came from communications. <laughs> so, um, Bob, I, I want to make sure that your viewers understand how thoughtful you are in preparing for each one of these podcasts. So I hope your um, listenership continues to build and grow because you're providing a real service for our region. Well, thank you so much. It has been a blast. It forces me to research things I would not otherwise. And kind of like you, I'm trying to have a wide net in the community and give a different platform for folks like you to get your message out. So it's very kind of you. I appreciate it. So Well, good. We will have to have you back when you have 47 other initiatives going on in the future. But it's been, Deborah, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. And um, I hope to have you on in the future. Okay. You're most kind. And we'll look forward to whenever the universe brings us together. You betcha. All right. Thank you again. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Bye bye. Hello, dear listeners. This is Bob again. 
Thank you so much for stopping by. I sure hope you enjoy listening to our interviews as much as we do providing them. If so, would you do me a little favor? Go to sarasotastories.co and enter in your email. That way you'll get notifications of all upcoming episodes. Also, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And remember, no matter where you go, to listen, learn, and connect.